Hey guys, it's Liz Kelly here with two quick announcements before you start the show. We have officially launched the Ringer NBA show's Twitter and Facebook feeds, so be sure to check out at Ringer NBA on Twitter for the latest news, analysis, and rumors from the Ringer crew you know and love. And check out Ringer NBA on Facebook to chat with like-minded fans and our Ringer NBA talent. Also, be sure to listen to our first narrative podcast called Halloween Unmasked. Our host, Amy Nicholson, deep dives on the famous Halloween movie franchise. There are new episodes being released Mondays and Thursdays for the whole month of October. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, on to the show. Yes, indeed. Welcome back to another episode of On Shuffle. I'm your host, Micah Peters, a staff writer at The Ringer, which is a great website. And I don't know if you've been watching the Azalea Banks, Lana Del Rey spat play out on Twitter. And I mean, like, you know, assuming that you have been just don't use double negatives in your threats of violence. It's very confusing for everybody involved. Um, but that's not what we're going to be talking about today. Today, my colleague Rob Harvilla is going to be joining me to talk about A Star is Born. Why? I mean, is the soundtrack good? Is it going to endure? All that good stuff. Also, Alphonse Pierre from Pitchfork is going to join me to talk about Lil Baby, Gunna, Young Thug, and Sheck West. Let's get into it. Between the trailers, the memes, and TV spots, it feels like A Star is Born has been coming out for 100 years, but A Star is Born mania seemed to reach a fifth year when the first original song, Shallow, came out in full. I saw the movie this weekend. It was solid to good. It was a movie-ass movie with two huge leads and painfully sincere dialogue. But will the soundtrack outlast the movie's theatrical run? Uh, Here to help me answer that question is my colleague Rob Harvilla. How are you doing today, Rob? I'm fantastic, and I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course. I, (laughs) I saw Stars Born this past weekend with my mom. It was it was a good. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was, Are you serious? I'm one hundred percent serious. We that is a fantastic <laughs> mom movie. Was that your idea? Whose idea was this? It was it was my mom's idea uh, because okay. because she didn't want to see Venom, um, and I had okay. you know, like technically already seen it, and I definitely didn't want to see it Reasonable. a second time. <laughs> like it was a really good, just a movie that is you know like in the classic tradition of big Hollywood whatever where it's just two massive leads you know like playing out a story that we've kind of seen we've we've literally seen a couple of times before yeah Um, three or four at this point yeah i read like fifty thousand words on this movie and i think movie ass movie is the best description of this movie (laughs) i have yet heard so congratulations (laughs) thank you you thank you i try yeah i try Let's get to the music of the movie because one thing that my mom did say is that that Lady Gaga, she can hoop. 
Um, so <laughs> <laughs> true. Also true. Um, you both are gifted with words. Yeah. That's, that's wonderful for you. Was shallow um, good enough on its own to be a playlist added? Did you need to hear it in the context of the movie first? I don't think you did. I mean, the, the trailer comes out and as you say, like it's an immediate meme and like it's the movie is sort of poised on the knife edge of like, this is either going to be legitimately great or legitimately terrible in like a great way, you know, like it's, is this an actual movie or is this just a parody of an actual movie? And I, I think that when the song came out just as like a normal track on Spotify or whatever, like people were into it. Like, I think that sort of pushed people in the legitimately great direction. But I, even the scene in which it appears, like it's, it's, a total cliche and you go into the movie knowing exactly what's going to happen. Like he's going to pull her on stage. He's going to be really, she's going to be really nervous, but like, she's going to be good. And, and but she's still going to have her hands over her eyes. Like, you know, everything that's going to happen. And yet I was crying in a movie theater <laughs> at like 10 30 on a Friday morning, like surrounded by old people. Like I'm just, I'm crying in public <laughs> at a thing that I knew was going to happen. Like, I think the movie, I think the song stands on its own. But I don't think even knowing full well, you know, everything about the song and everything that's going to happen, there's nothing to prepare you for like how, how well executed that song is in that scene. Yeah. Yeah. And then also just the, the part where the part of the song that everyone has been singing into their, into their, you know, selfie cameras or whatever is just like the, the part where she pulls the microphone closer and just starts going for it is the syllables man all those beautiful syllables i on instagram this past weekend like a lot of people i follow went to the same wedding and apparently the highlight of that wedding was like a huge dance floor whale along too shallow like and they're all like i just saw a bunch of instagram stories of that part of the song <laughs> of everybody like just like en masse just blasting out those syllables. It was just the most joyous and beautiful thing that I'd ever seen on my phone, you know, in my life. And so, yeah, it's instant, instant classic somehow, you know, against all odds, but absolutely. Just a a brief aside. Imagine you go to a show that is double headlining Jackson Maine and Stillwater from Almost Famous. (laughs) Right. right? And Uh, you... (laughs) And, you know, like you pay hundreds of dollars to see this. And then, you know, uh-huh. Jackson Bane pulls on this random, this random stranger onto the stage for the final song of the show. The to encore. S- yeah, that's tough. To that's sing a, tough a song encore. you've never heard. Like, I mean, yeah, I was just going to ask if you would be disappointed in that situation or would you pull out your phone to, to film her? I would try not to pull out my phone. Given that Jackson is immediately like a, stumbling drunk and just a, a total screw up like right when we first meet him i think you, that his fans you, you at this got, point you get you, aren't prepared for him to you, like urinate off the <laughs> stage or something uh you you got you you got alcohol in there and it's my kind of place. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is an excellent impression <laughs> thank you wow thank it's, you yeah. That's, uh, so that's, yeah, I, I think at this point, him getting through a show upright, regardless of who he pulls on stage to sing, like, that's a win at a Jackson Maine concert, you know, in 2018, or like whatever year this movie is set, which is not exactly clear other than that YouTube exists. <laughs> right. So uh, another, like, so you wrote a piece about the, the soundtrack and kind of the weird uh, yeah. way that 
the movie negotiates um, authenticity and pop stardom uh, on theringer.com. Great website. You should all go read that. But <laughs> there's kind of... Very long. Yeah, it, but it's it's it kind of it does a good job of like you know putting things into place about the fact that this is the movie is essentially Gaga's career happening in reverse up to the right. Joanne album in 2016. Um, yeah, but it doesn't really have it doesn't really make a judgment one way or the other about whether often like you know whether. Uh, Gaga's pop turn is good or bad, um, except right. for it makes like very loud suggestions towards that. Because the way the movie starts is uh, Bradley Cooper takes a big swig of gin out of like you know <laughs> his his rocks glass, puts it on an amp, and then goes out and plays a massive rock vampy song called Black Eyes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, awesome song, dude. In <laughs> the denouement of the movie or whatever gaga eventually gets on snl and sings a, a pop song with backup dance lip syncs a pop song with backup dance yeah where the where the hook is why'd you have to come around me with an ass like that <laughs> right yeah very catchy very memorable if nothing else yeah how does that weird tension play out on the soundtrack first of all there's dialogue there's like little 30 second snippets of dialogue between almost every track on the soundtrack so like mm. I don't think it's going to work for you unless you've seen the movie. Like, it's kind of a strange experience if you're going in just to hear shallow, you know, and whatever happens to be around it. Mm. I, it's, it's such a cliche. I was, there's a movie or a TV show or something where it happens exactly. Like, there's a young, like, ingenue singer who is discovered and then, like, an oily British music industry, you know, leech gets a hold of her and, like, turns her into something she's not, you know, and, like... Mm makes her dye her hair and makes her wear ridiculous clothes. And like, it's all, it's all the music industry guy's idea. Like she's forced to do a lot of things that she doesn't want to do. And there's this big climactic moment where she realizes like, this isn't who I am. I want to go back. I want to be real. I want to, you know, this, I, and, and then she becomes like the star she was meant to become. But the weird thing about this movie is that like, she and the British guy like argue about the color of her hair. Like he wants her to go blonde and she says like, no, I am who I am. But like three scenes later, like her hair is bright red. <laughs> and I, I, I really wanted to know whose idea that was. Like the movie is sort of deliberately ambiguous as to like whose idea all the pop stuff is like that song. She, she lip syncs on Saturday night live and like the lyrics are terrible. Like, I think that song is at least supposed to be like 50% bad, if not a hundred percent bad. Like the movie is trying to tell you that she's lost her way, but the other songs, the other like pop side songs on that album sound like Lady Gaga songs, you know, and mm -hmm. that one hair body face, which I, I can't remember if it's in the movie, like it might be in the background at some point, like it's not a focal point of the movie, but like actual Lady Gaga fans, like, are talking about that song like it's sort of her best pop song since like pre Joanne, you know, which makes it like her yeah. best pop song in like five plus years. Like it's having Lady Gaga in that role. There's this weird tension where like she's a pop star who's who's made like a dozen of the best pop songs of the 21st century. Like she's not going to join on a movie and make like bad pop songs like on purpose to serve the dramatic purpose of explaining that pop is bad and country rock is good like it's you you keep you keep waiting for them you keep waiting for the movie to like pass judgment 
one way or the other, it never quite does. And like, I spent like 2000 words of my piece to try to sort of grappling with like, are they being ambiguous on purpose or are they, did they just sort of botch, you know, the whatever they were trying whatever. to say? Yeah. 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 Like, I don't know. It's like all the pop songs are sort of shot to be bad, but like Lady Gaga is not, like I was wondering, is like Lady Gaga going to renounce her pop career at this point, uh, with the agreement that it will win her an Oscar, you know, <laughs> for doing so? Like that—that's a very Lady Gaga thing to do. But like it's—it it was hard to figure out watching that movie, like which side the movie was on. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so here's a here's a, a more kind of overarching question. So you yeah. know the. <laughs> the the unlikely success of Whoop That Trick from Hustle and Flow or <laughs> like, yes. uh, you know, or after basically, well, at, at, no, at, at Scott Pilgrim versus the world came out and people actually wanted a real Sex Bob-Bombs album. Like, Did they, I listened on this morning, was like, was that actually a thing? I really liked that movie, but I didn't think like Sex Bob-Bombs. I didn't think it was great either, pop. but I mean, but yeah. the... Anyway, to the point, of, to the question, is Bradley Cooper like good, good, or just fictional movie soundtrack good? As a singer, like fictional movie soundtrack good. Like he's, he's good enough. Like the, the song of his that everybody likes is the Baby It's Time Bomb. Like that's the first thing you hear mm-hmm. in the trailer. And that was written by Jason Isbell. Maybe it's time to let the old ways die. Maybe it's time to let the always die Takes a lot to change, man Hell, it takes a lot to try Maybe it's time to let the always die That's a really good, really simple, really easy to sing folk song. Bradley Cooper is sort of good enough. Like any song on the soundtrack where it's a duet, between Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga, like she just, she stomps all over him, which is sort of what the movie is. Like the movie is about her almost immediately eclipsing him as like an artist and then as a functional person. Like it's, it's, it's clear that he's sort of on the downside. And like, I kept waiting for another scene where like she inspires him to make some kind of comeback and like write his best song, you know, in forever. But like that never happens. Like, so Bradley Cooper is sort of good enough. Like he's good enough to play. He's good enough to sing the songs of like a country rock. Who's a- like that big scene, the, 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 the tearjerker, like well, the first time that she performs in front of tens of thousands of people and yeah. they're like harmonizing together. And I'm just kind of like, yo man, shut up. Let her sing. <laughs> like- <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I mean, she's, she immediately blows him away and that is by design. Yeah. You know, like the, the movie is not about him as an artist, like basically at all, you know, and that, that suits the fact that like his voice is good enough, but like, no, you don't need to hear a little of Bradley Cooper singing goes an awfully long way. <laughs> um, what is a personal favorite of yours from the soundtrack? Maybe a song that wasn't necessarily in the movie besides hair, body, face, or, you know, black eyes or the ones that we've already mentioned. Yeah. I mean, it's the biggest, it's the big scene at the end of the movie, but like, I think the clear third best song on the soundtrack is I'll never fall in love again. Oh yeah. No, which I, which it's sort of the big power ballad at the end. And like, it's very, very, very Whitney Houston, you know, like it, it sounds exactly like her and it sounds designed specifically for like an Oscar in memoriam 
montage kind of thing. Like it's the whole movie seems to be leading up to like, you know, he kills himself, but he, he sets her back on the right path. And like, she's going to go back and do the music that's really close to her heart or whatever. But like the last thing that she sings is like a third genre entirely, you know, it's to sort of do like a soft rock, like quasi R and B power ballad. Like that's a completely different thing than what she was doing when she started with shallows. And it's a totally different thing than like the vapid pop stuff in the middle of the movie. Like Mm -hmm. in the movie, like that's the song that he wrote for her. And like, there's that incredible sort of cut at the end of the song back to him playing the song for her. Like it's, it's, that's clearly the third best song on the soundtrack. And it's, again, it's sort of ambiguous whether this is what she's going to be like from now on, you know, and is she better off this way? And is this different from the pop phases that she'd had before? Right. And there, it kind of, you know, true to the rest of the movie, it leaves you know, on that ambiguous note where the last thing you see is just her eyes looking up at the 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 lights, right, basically. Right. So you don't really know. Yeah. But no, you do not. One final question: What are the odds on A Star Is Born producing best original song at the Oscars? I gotta think that's a lock. I mean, not knowing any of the competition, I it's. It is very unlikely that a song from a movie, you know, in the next two months and change is going to be that big a deal. It's going to have that big, like an actual real world footprint. Mm -hmm. Like I'm trying to think of any song that came out in 2018 from a movie that, you know, the Eminem Venom song, (laughs) you know, maybe that'll be a, maybe that'll be a dark horse. But like, like it's, I mean, it's sort of recency bias. Like I really liked the movie and like it's, it's entirely possible Bradley Cooper could win an Oscar both for directing and acting. I think Gaga as best actress is very, very possible. But like of all those, I'd say that Shallows has got to be a lock or as close as you can get to a lock at this point for, you know, best original song. Like I would be pretty shocked if anything came along that can come anywhere close. I think that's probably fair. That Venom song, though. The, the Venom song, catchy. you know, I, I I feel like, you know, like let's not be too hasty. The Venom song is kind of hot. Yeah. Right. It's a grower. <laughs> uh, Rob, hey. Just wanted to get another look at you. <laughs> <laughs> I should have seen that coming. <laughs> All right, ah. man. Take it easy. Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. Prepare to get laced because they're going to taste my venom. Today's episode of On Shuffle is brought to you by YouTube Music. We've all found ourselves down a rabbit hole in YouTube. I know I have. There's so much music to discover there. You can spend hours exploring new songs and artists. Now there's an app to make it all so much easier. YouTube Music is a brand new music streaming service, combining everything you expect from a streaming service with the magic of YouTube to bring it all to life. YouTube Music makes it easy to find the music you're looking for. Official albums, singles, music videos, live performances, even covers and remixes. Don't know the song's name? Search by the lyrics. It's that easy. The YouTube Music app gives you recommendations based on taste, location, and time of day. You can easily find the music trending around you, no matter where you are. And with YouTube Music Premium, it gets even better. Get ad-free music that plays with the screen off or while other apps are open, finally. Enjoy your music whenever you want it, 
however you want it, even when you're offline. Download the new YouTube Music app today and start a free 30-day trial. Then enjoy music for just $9.99 a month. Terms and restrictions apply. YouTube Music, it's all here. I first read Alphonse Pierre's weekly wrap-ups at Passionwise and can tell you that for strange rap music from the internet, there's few better sources to go to for context. He does those wrap-ups, among other stuff, for Pitchfork now, and I thought I could use his help overthinking new releases from this past weekend. Uh, Sheck West put out his debut album, Mud Boy. And Young Thug Protégé's Lil Baby and Gunna released their collaborative mixtape, Drip Harder. Alphonse, how are you doing today, man? What's good? Thank you for having me. You know, yeah. Doing good. Great week in rap, you know? <laughs> Great week in rap music. Let me let me ask you this. In terms of collaborative albums over the last, like, fiscal year or so, like, without warning, uh, the 21 Savage Offset collaborative tape produced by Metro Boomin that came out on Halloween of last year, uh, Super Slimy, Future and Young Thug came out a week before that or so, uh, Double or Nothing, which I can't believe I'm even bringing up. Was uh, the big Sean Metro movement tape? Where does Drip Harder figure in for you? I think Drip Harder has to be at the top because pretty much all of those collab albums are pretty disposable and kind of just came and went. Mm-hmm. But Drip Harder has a different feel to it. Yeah, Drip Harder feels important in a way. So the future and Young Thug tape, Super Slimy, kind of felt like they were both capitalizing off of off of hype or whatever. It almost felt like they were competing on the project. Yeah. And Gunna and Baby, like their story even is just more of a like egalitarian type like approach to music making. Because I mean, Gunna was rapping first, taught yep. Baby how to rap and harmonize and all these different things, how to record and actually send the songs he recorded to his phone. <laughs> I, I would say that the feel is different, but I can't really place a finger on why. With Future and Thug, it always felt like their relationship was always not natural in a way. Mm. Like even with that collab album, it almost felt like something that fans have wanted for years but Future and Thug almost never felt interested in making mm-hmm. with like Baby and Gunna it just feels like there's a natural connection between them like thinking back to something like Rich Gang with Young Thug and Rich Homie Kwan where they felt like almost like brothers like they were in stride at everything they do and that's what it feels like when you listen to like Baby and Gunna like they're on the same page all the time everything is clicking they could go back and forth without any problem and that's not something that has come from like any of those collab albums that have come out in the last year. Like Travis and Quavo didn't have that type of chemistry. It was something that felt kind of thrown together. But Baby and Gunna just feels natural, you know? Yeah. There's a Rolling Stone news item that you can read right now about how the producer Wheezy kind of compares uh, Drip Harder to the tour part one. And yeah. I mean, like it was kind of it's kind of mentioned in passing but uh, you assume that there is going to be a new generation of rap fans for which drip harder is there the tour part one i guess um it kind of feels like that in a way kind of because during the tour that kind of felt like a moment where they were becoming like superstars even though it maybe didn't like pan out that way for kwan kind of 
Yeah. Well, he, he had a couple hits after that, but kind of went a little bit downhill. But here it feels like Gunna and Baby like establishing themselves. Like they've had like singles that have done well, but this feels like their moment. Let's take a brief detour to the On the Run EP, which came out not too long ago, like a couple weeks ago. Uh, Young Thug's yeah. uh, EP that came after Slime Language, which I guess was kind of a disappointment to some fans just because it wasn't the solo project that we still we still don't have Young Thug's debut album, technically. Which um, is crazy to think about. Just Everything's just a mixtape. Right. Paul Thompson and Al Shipley specifically wrote about how he's kind of at this weird point in his career where he still hasn't put out a debut album but he's somehow a label boss and has now two successful stylistic children a strange thing to think about like it's almost as if little baby and gunner are like a subgenre unto themselves it really is and it almost feels like it's to the point where little baby and gunner are almost bigger than thug in a way mm-hmm. uh, maybe it's just they're aimed at a different audience where thug's a little bit older but it's it's kind of strange to think about do you think that that has to do with the way that critics approach music? Because it seems like I know that there are discussion there were there are always discussions online about this sort of thing, but just kind of how Lil Baby and Gunner are quote unquote replacing Thug or something. Yeah, yeah, I I don't think so either. But because they each <laughs> only do one or two of the many things that Young Thug does well, right? And I also think that. Thug's music isn't as straightforward as Baby and Gunna's. Like, Thug will do things like this Elton John collab, which is an interesting thing to see, but I don't know if that's something that's going to, like, catch on in high schools like Drip Harder will or, like, Drip Too Hard, you know? It's, it's just, like, Thug maybe branches out too far into this uh, this strange land he goes to. Yeah. Just to ask a straightforward question, what is your favorite song off of this tape? These fictional high schoolers that you're talking about, which one of them is the one they're going to latch on to the most? I think it would be like the intro on the on the run because it just feels like a vintage like thug like slime season era track. A lot of the other things that maybe have a little bit too much things go going on. Like I'm not a fan of the the Jaden Smith, you know, uh, feature thrown in at the end over there. But I feel like that's the one that will make people think about the era where the things like Best Friend were coming out. Mm-hmm. And, and that, I feel, is like the peak of Thug's popularity in a way. Yeah, He's still popular and a huge figure in rap right now. Mm-hmm. But that was like Thug's moment right there. That's slime season era. Yeah, like I thought about it. I think that probably the On The Run EP is I've the most I've liked the Thug project since maybe Beautiful Thugger Girls, which had to grow on me, honestly. How about that same question for Drip Harder, though? Which song do you th- is like the hardest one on here, do you think? I think it has to be the single, Drip Too Hard. Baby's on the hook on that one, which is a little uncommon for the tape because Gunna kind of is like the hook. Yeah, this is like the hook master here. Yeah, the here like baby's voice is a little bit softer. Uh, Gun has a nice melody, and he's still going in that like rapid like flow, and it's just a nice blend of them bouncing off of each other, and and that's when they're best. Like the solo songs on the tape that they have are kind of missing that element, and so drip too hard. It feels like the peak of that. 
I have unfortunately latched on to the to the Drake feature. <laughs> but, I, I mean, Drake was going in. Yeah, so. he really, he really, him and Take Heath just do a collaborative <laughs> project already, a whole thing. Now let's take a hard pivot and go to Mud Boy, uh, which also uh, came out this weekend. Bitch, I'm dying. Shack West, live Shack. Mudboy by Sheck West, signee of Travis Scott's Cactus Jack imprint, and I guess good music and Interscope. It's a it's a weird it's a weird kind of signing that you should probably read about to understand better. But anyway, yeah, the, the debut album. It's a lot of brash shit talking and occasional stuff about you know like you're not real if your parents never threatened you with deportation. <laughs> One of the things that you first wrote about him on Passion Weiss was just kind of how he brings the sound of the Harlem underground movement to the fore. Could you yeah. explain that a little bit? When I first came across Check West's music, it was a while ago because he was a name that was like buzzing in like New York for almost two years now. And it was with Live Check, uh, what was it called? Uh, Live Check West, Die Check West. Mm-hmm. And it's produced by this producer named Lunchbox. And just the sound of like this Harlem underground is just like, always has like these haunting melodies. It's like very cold. And it, it, it's also, it almost feels just like how you picture like a New York winter, like very cold and frigid, like frostbite. And with Sheck West brought this different energy to the mainstream because when he came out, his, his music video was directed by uh, White Trash Tyler, who is Kanye West's videographer. Mm-hmm. So people are like, who the hell is this kid from Harlem? <laughs> fucking loves basketball and is riding around is, on a scooter and throwing his crutches around. Yeah. And, and has some loose affiliation to the Kanye and the Kardashians and Kylie Jenner. Like who the hell is this kid? And him being able to like bring that Harlem sound to that stage was just kind of like a shock. Yeah. Lunchbox and Retta handle most of the production on this project. Yeah. I think that probably the one that kind of knocked me on my ass was Gmail. There's also just another, like the the, the titles of these songs are also just <laughs> ridiculous. Like the last song on the album is titled uh, Vatemont Socks. You kind of parroted this idea or joked about it when Die Lit came out, uh, the Playboy Cardi album. Yeah. And uh, you said <laughs> that no one that remembers 9-11 should review it. <laughs> noting that you know like the 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 standard stuff about how art isn't really for anyone so to speak what would your requirements be for critics like this time around for mud boy for mud boy Mm -hmm. i mean that 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 kind of stands that that ruling there (laughs) but I, i i think if you have never stood online at the supreme store that you're allowed to review Mud Boy because when I think of Mud Boy, I think of like some like real New York kids, not like the New York kids that like come in from Connecticut and you know see them on the complex like sneaker videos outside Kiff and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it's like the kids you would see at Soho who really couldn't afford shit, and it's almost like how when Rocky came out in 2011, even though his fan base kind of became like the people he almost hated. Mm-hmm. but Rocky was kind of speaking for like the everyday New York kid. And so I feel like that's an important part of understanding 
Sheck West's music in a way, mm-hmm. which may be closing some people off, but I think that's what Sheck West represents, like that voice. A lot of the early stuff that I was reading about him after I first heard Mo Bamba was stuff about how he was already a Harlem legend or something, you know, like a, amongst the Harlem yeah. youth. Like it's, I don't think that it translated to like a national audience, but I was looking around and didn't really get the context until I was reading the stuff that you wrote about him. It's really crazy. Like the, just like the references and things he will bring up and just like, the amount of like memories that you will like just of like growing up in New York that come to my mind when I listen to Sheck West's like Manosin the Mud Boy mm-hmm. and it's kind of spot on. Um, okay, so here is my final question about Mud Boy. Okay. Does it live up to the promise of Mo Bamba or the hype of Mo Bamba? I think I think it surpasses the hype of Mo Bamba. Just imagine being a 19-year-old, he's usually 20, 20 years old now, 20-year-old kid, signed to Travis and Good Music, and you have all those producers. Like, Sheck West could hit up Southside if he wants to. He could hit up Wonder Girl for a B-Pack. He could hit up South. He could hit up uh, Cardo for a B-Pack. Mm-hmm. But here he stays with his local producers, creates that, takes a sound to the mainstream that he really didn't have to, that he really could have, he could have put this polished, like, Astroworld light album out, but he didn't. And mm-hmm. I feel like just by doing that, he surpassed like all the expectations that he had in yeah. front of him. That basically means that you should listen to Gmail at full volume. Seriously, I can't get over how good that song is. It's just kind of like continues to grow and like get more menacing, and the the low end gets even more growly. Like that as, shit is as, so hard. As the song <laughs> goes on, yeah. <laughs> I live a, I live a mob boy lifestyle. Killers on speed down. Don't fuck with Shaq West. We gon' break your G down. Alphonse, thank you very much for joining me to talk Drip Harder and Mud Boy. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Micah. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Nigga, I'm from New York. Outside where we hang out. I just sip that poison. Nigga sipping tea now. I don't do the gossip. Gossip, that's what female. That's all we got. Thank you so much for listening. Special thanks to Alphonse Pierre and Rob Harvilla for calling in. Shout out my producers, Zach Mack and Bobby Wagner. Don't forget to check out our playlist that we will be updating every week with the songs we're listening to. A link to that is in the description. Also, please rate and subscribe if you like the show. We would really appreciate it. But only do it if you like the show. Peace. See you next week.